1: Baby girl, you know I'm sorry
2: Welcome back, everybody, to a special episode of Kicking with Keeler here on Full Press Radio, episode number 74, technically. But we told you guys last week that we would be back at least for a special show to look at night one of the 2021 NFL Draft in Cleveland. So many storylines to get into, so many picks to dive into, and we're going to get into that. But I don't think you thought or I thought that I would be here talking about Aaron Rodgers. Four hours before the draft on Thursday night, Adam Schefter comes out with a bombshell report that the reigning NFL MVP is so angry with the Packers that he has told some of the organization he does not want to come back. They've had the president fly out to, out west, the GM Brian Guttenkunst or Kuntz, or however you say his last name, and head, and the head coach Matt Lafleur all gone out west. They tried to give Rodgers an extension. He doesn't want it. Teams have tried to trade for him, as Schefter reported. The Niners have tried to go after him. Eventually, the Niners just took Trey Lance last night. So I don't know if they can really get him anymore. The Rams tried to get him in January before they traded for Matt Stafford. And there's been so much to dive in with this conversation. And it goes solely not just off the Schefter report. For example... We can look at Trey Wingo. Trey Wingo, formerly of ESPN, now at Fox Sports, came out with a couple of tweets yesterday was interesting. Understand the Aaron Rodgers thing has been building for a while. Packers fired his quarterback coach after 2017. Aaron Rodgers wanted somebody else to be the GM. That didn't happen. In addition to trading back into last year's first round to get Jordan Love. Then Wingo added this tweet. The Packers reportedly told Rodgers they were going to trade him in the offseason, then backed off. It's been a bleep show between them ever since. And within the last week, Rodgers told the team, trade or no trade, I'm not coming back. And then also, as of Wednesday night, Aaron Rodgers was convinced he was heading to the Niners. Going back to California, get a chance to play with San Francisco. Obviously, like I just said, that's not going to happen. The Niners... Invested too much draft capital, I think, to move up to number three. And they got their guy in Trey Lance. And we'll talk about quarterback fits and all that a little bit later in the show. But I wanted to take the first block of this show, the special show, to talk about Aaron Rodgers. And I think you could make the case both sides are at fault here. I think more so the Packers. And it's for this reason, and it goes back to last year. How do you not tell... Your franchise quarterback, the guy who's won a Super Bowl for you, who gets you in contention every year, and not tell him we're going to take a quarterback in the first round. It just doesn't make any sense. And I remember talking to Kyle Senra, our Packers uh, leader over at Full Press Coverage Packers, last season about the pick, and I get where Green Bay was going with this. I got the idea of the pick because it was the similar Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo analogy. And I'll get into why Aaron Rodgers, to me, reminds me of Tom Brady in a second. The pick motivated Aaron Rodgers, got him to play an MVP caliber quarterback, won the MVP. And now Rodgers is saying, basically, bleep you. I now proved I can be an MVP quarterback again. I don't want to be here. If you don't show the faith in me and you want your guy to play, play. And last night, they took a cornerback, not a quarterback, a cornerback, Eric Stokes, out of Georgia with the 29th pick in the first round. Yes, the Packers need defense. You could totally understand that. Because you look at some of their losses in the secondary and why they lose last year was because they didn't really have a secondary to stop Tom Brady on third down. With that being said, wide receiver was perfectly on the board. People like Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss, who's still not on the board. I mean, that would have been a possibility. Not there. And you look at what the Packers have done. Nine of the last ten seasons, nine of the last ten drafts, they have taken a defensive player in the first round. Obviously, the only non-defensive player is Jordan Love. But take a look back at... Some of the other drafts, I think people were quick to point this out. My buddy Quentin Haynes, who we heard a couple weeks ago on the Knicks, uh, Knicks Wire, pointed this out last night on Twitter, and I found it interesting, so I wanted to go back. The Packers have invested high draft picks in offensive players. It just hasn't been first-round picks, and in recent years. Let's take out the A.J. Dillon pick last year, the second round, because it sounds like A.J. Dillon and Jordan Love were the future quarterback, running back combination with the Packers, even though they brought back Aaron Jones this offseason. 2014, Packers select HaHa Clinton-Dix in the first round. They take Devontae Adams in round two. Look what Devontae Adams has turned into. 2013, they take Detone Jones, the defensive end of UCLA, in round one. Round two, Alabama running back Eddie Lacy, who maybe did not pan out after one or two great years, but they did take a running back with that pick. 2011, They take Derek Sherrod the tackle at the first round pick after they won the Super Bowl. Second round, they take Randall Cobb. So the Packers have invested high picks in offensive players. If you want to go way back, and I don't want to, I don't want to go too far back, 2008 didn't have a first round pick, so their first pick at pick 36, Jordy Nelson. So they have looked at getting guys in the first, second round, sometimes the third round. You go back to 2007 with James Jones. You go back to Ty Montgomery in 2015. They have looked at offensive players before. It just hasn't been what their top pick. And I thought Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota would be good for them. He went to the Ravens at 27, and I think that was a good pick for Lamar Jackson. But here's the issue for the Packers. I get that they're they're basically being open with, we have to plan for the future. And they have every right to do that. But you also, this is in a new era of sports, not just the NBA, but in the NFL, you need to listen to your star athlete if you want to keep him. And Brian Gutenkunst, the GM, said last night, or on Thursday night, they have no intention of trading Aaron Rodgers. And I get it. I don't know where you're going to find equal capital to trade a great player like Aaron Rodgers, who's going to be 38 years old. Or who is 38 years old? Where are you going to find the equal draft capital? You can't give him to the Niners. You trade him to Denver. I mean, reportedly, from Pro Football Talk yesterday on Thursday, he likes Denver. Which I, I'm confused. You just played in cold Lambo. Now you want to go play in cold Denver? Even though they've got Judy and Sutton and Melvin Gordon and Noah Fant and all those guys. It's too cold there. You want to go to Vegas? They've got Derek Carr, but I don't think they, they wouldn't be opposed to making that trade. Do you want to go to the Giants, who now have two first-round picks next year after they trade back on Thursday night so the Bears can get Justin Fields? That's an option. Washington? There's really no appealing destination for Aaron Rodgers. But then you look at this tweet. This one, uh Josina Anderson used to work at ESPN, and she had this yesterday. Her tweet was, and I'm going to pull this up for you, at least regarding Denver, and there was a big Twitter buzz Thursday night that uh, I know Mark Schlereth, they said, was saying that the deal with Denver was all but done. Obviously, it's not done today. At least regarding Denver, I'm told one of Aaron Rodgers' attraction to the Broncos has been the sense of freedom he'd feel with the offense with Elway in the building per source. Packers clearly have many things to think over, Given or not. We'll see how things unfold. This tweet If it's true, says it all. I think Aaron Rodgers is still bitter from what happened with not going forward on fourth down in the NFC Championship game, which, again, I completely understand. That was a dumb move by the head coach. But I don't think he's mad at the head coach. I think he's more mad at the front office. And it's a different different situation compared to Brady and Belichick. Because Belichick was both head coach GM. You're mad at one, you're mad at the you're mad at the other. You can't really pick and choose. But Aaron Rodgers wants control. He's here's what Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl for the Bucks is probably one of the worst things to happen to the NFL from an executive perspective. Here's why. Everybody in plain sight watched Tom Brady pick Antonio Brown, pick Leonard Fournette, pick Rob Gronkowski to get him out of retirement, and Tampa won a Super Bowl, with all three guys contributing in the big game against the Chiefs. While Jason Light is the GM in Tampa, Tom Brady played de facto GM. That's why Russell Wilson wants to stay in Seattle, that's why Aaron Rodgers wants to stay in Green Bay. That's why Deshaun Watson wants to stay in Houston. So because essentially, and again, not a lot of people have the clout like Tom Brady does. While you could disagree or agree with where Aaron Rodgers' legacy is and where he is as an all-time quarterback. He's close to that Tom Brady clout where he should be in some way, shape, or form be allowed to pick the groceries. He's established that clout. And keep in mind, he's also watched the way Brett Favre ran himself out of Green Bay. So, if we're saying Brett Favre never mentored Aaron Rodgers, at the very least, Aaron Rodgers learned something from Brett Favre. How to get the heck out of Green Bay. How to get the heck out of Lambeau. They don't want to deal with him anymore. And honestly, I don't think he wants to deal with them anymore. But I don't know where he's going to get traded. You can't. It's not as simple as hey, I'm going to get released and go somewhere. The Packers have a huge cap hit coming. They don't owe many more guaranteed money, but the cap hit is huge. It is a factor in the sport. And the one thing I would tell Aaron Rodgers: be careful what you wish for, because I think you look at the situation. The Packers, yes, have they not achieved what people expected? Right, but they've also been to back-to-back NFC championship games. They've also been consistently a 12-4, and 13-3 team almost every season the last couple of years. You could argue that they're missing offensive piece away. Yeah, and it's a, that's a separate issue that the Packers never seem to want to bring in wide receivers to help Aaron Rodgers. But I feel like these quarterbacks... And I've said this before and I said this about Russell Wilson. They want to be the guy in control without being the bad guy. And you can't be both. If Aaron Rodgers wants to be the heel in this situation, go full heel. I think people understand that, but don't try to play both sides of the fence. Don't try to be very coy with your comments after games and try to have people read tea leaves. You want out? Just say you want out. Maybe we'll find out, because this weekend he's at the Kentucky Derby. Maybe we'll find an answer then, or we probably won't, because they'll probably give some uh, coded message we'll have to try to figure out. So the point is, while the Packers are going to be viewed at fault by a lot of people, and I think it's fair, Aaron Rodgers is not scot-free in this. He's not. Because... They don't have to listen to you. It would be good if they did. and But look with the Patriots. The Patriots made the decision to draft Jimmy Garoppolo in the second round. They didn't trade up for him. They took him in the second round. Weren't sure what Tom Brady had left. Tom Brady went out, won three Super Bowls since that pick, and left. And Tom Brady, as we said at the time, had every right to leave. I would leave too if I were him. Did you see ever Tom Brady be disgruntled with the media? He was probably the same kind of passive voice where he wasn't going to say anything and probably gave out the coded message too. You never heard Brady was like, they had to fly out to New England because Tom Brady had a good relationship with Robert Kraft. Read the dynasty. You see how kind of Kraft and Brady kind of helped with Brady did have any easy lie with Belichick. From the Packers standpoint, there's a divide here with Rodgers and the new GM. The new GM in Guten, gutenkunst has no attachment to Rodgers. He did not make the pick. And there has to be part of Gutenkunst who says, I want to play the guy I drafted. But they're not ready to play the guy he drafted because they have a tough balance to try to use as much Aaron Rodgers as you can before you go to Jordan Love if Jordan Love's not ready. Nobody knows if Jordan Love's ready or not, because remember, with this offseason last year of COVID and the regular season of COVID, not a lot of people got a chance to see some practices. So we don't really know that much. There's a bunch of egos at play here, which makes it hard to think they're going to come together to agree on anything. It's possible. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is retiring or becoming the, the full-time host of Jeopardy, but he does a pretty good job at. But the egos have to come together and either A, find a compromise, or B, get him the heck out of Green Bay. But I don't know where he could go. A lot of teams addressed their quarterback situations last night. The only teams, like I said before, maybe Denver, because they only have Bridgewater and Locke. You could make that work. Carolina, they did pick up the fifth-year option on Sam Darnold, but you can understand more of the Packers or the Panthers upgrading with Aaron Rodgers over Sam Darnold than a rookie. So Carolina would be in play. Washington, because Ryan Fitzpatrick's quarterback right now with Terrell Heineke. That's in play. And I do think the Giants are in play. I think the Giants are in play because, again, two first-rounders this year, next year, and it's probably Daniel Jones' make or break here. You don't necessarily have to get a quarterback back if you're the Packers, but, again, you'd probably, if you're the Giants, then do a separate deal for Daniel Jones. If you're Joe Judge and you're the Packers and you're the Giants, and this doesn't work the way you want to with Jones having Barkley back and Shepard and Tony, who they just drafted last night, and Slayton and Galladay and Engram, and it doesn't work on offense. Then it's most likely the quarterback. So if you can go get Aaron Rodgers and try to win a championship in a week NFC East, you do it. So the Giants are in play. The Raiders are in play. But here's my other question for Aaron Rodgers. All right, you want that freedom. Reportedly. You want that freedom that Denver would give you. You want the freedom John Elway would give you. You know what you get for freedom? Quote-unquote. Potentially three matchups with Patrick Mahomes to get to the Super Bowl. Where, again, a second Super Bowl could enhance Aaron Rodgers' legacy. To me, right now, he's where Peyton Manning is. One of the greatest regular season quarterbacks of all time, but only won one Super Bowl. And in football, we define success, most often with quarterbacks, by championships. So if that is the case, you want the freedom to control the offense, you're giving up your best shot at winning a title. Your best shot at winning a title would not be in Denver. Because you're dealing with the man I call sometimes Cyborg in Patrick Mahomes. If anything... Honestly, before Mac Jones last night, you'd want to probably go to New England to play for Bill Belichick because you might only have to play the Chiefs one time. And you're in a division with Josh Allen and two really young quarterbacks. You have to think about what position you're putting yourself into if you're Aaron Rodgers. You want complete control and you want all that? Fine. But how do you balance control with your best shot at winning a second title? I don't really know you can find that balance anywhere except with the Packers. Where really, when you look at the NFC, Russell Wilson's getting older. Drew Brees is gone. Tom Brady's older, but Tom Brady's still in your way of another Super Bowl. Bears have a young quarterback. Lions are rebuilding. Rams have Matthew Stafford. Again, does Matthew Stafford win a Super Bowl? I don't know. Dallas with a bang up Dak Prescott and a struggling defense, even though I liked what they did last night, and we'll get into that. Philadelphia rebuilding. Washington still questions a quarterback. Niners, young quarterback, or Jimmy Garoppolo, who's always injured. Arizona, still on the, on the rise with Kyler Murray, but not quite there yet, probably. The NFC is your best bet to get that elusive second Super Bowl. So I'd be very careful if I'm Aaron Rodgers here. You don't want to be the bad guy, but sometimes it might be okay to be the bad guy. If you, if you feel, really feel you've been wronged by the Packers, then come out and be the bad guy. People will understand, but don't try to play. As I said this to Russell Wilson, don't try to play both sides of the fence, because this makes both sides more angry at you. And I don't think every people. I don't think people have the right to be that mad at Aaron Rodgers. I just don't think he's scot free in this. I think it's mostly the front office's fault for not addressing with Aaron Rodgers. Hey, we might take a quarterback here in round one. That's all he had to do. And Brian Gutenkunst, the GM, even admitted after the draft last night, that they probably messed up communication there. So at least they admitted it. But if you're going to use a first-round pick and not only use it, but trade up, it's one thing, like, again, with Garoppolo. The Patriots saw the value of taking their young quarterback in the second round, so they took it. After they took a guy... I think they took Dominic Easley in the first round of the year. So they did take a defensive player in round one to kind of help their team, even though it didn't really pan out. But they waited for a guy to fall to them and took him. Didn't try to use assets to trade up. So that's really where I, could, I definitely get and understand why Aaron Rodgers is angry. But it's sometimes you want to pick the groceries. You may not exactly get to pick a... What's the stores around the groceries? And going to the AFC West, I think, would be the worst thing that could happen to Aaron Rodgers. Maybe he wants to compete with Patrick Mahomes two or three times. That would be great. You always want competition. But I'd be very careful if the Denver thing did happen. But we're a long way from that. I don't think a trade's happening anytime soon. I think Green Bay's going to do everything they can to try to make sure Aaron Rodgers is happy. or Maybe not all the way happy, but as close to happy as he possibly can. But time will tell. And we'll be all over this throughout the off season. But want wanted to lead off with that. So we'll take a break. We'll come back. And I'll, I'll give you my takeaways. Part one of my takeaways from the first round on Thursday night. And then in part two, I'll mainly go over the Mac Jones pick. I want to give that a separate segment, obviously, because I'm a Patriots fan. And I want to be able to kind of give more of my thoughts on it. But I'll give you more of my thoughts in the early part of the first round. And then we'll do the later part of the, sec- the first round in the third segment. So I'm Ricky Keeler. Thanks for kicking it with me on a Friday afternoon before round two of the draft. You're listening to Kickin' with Keeler. We will be right back after this.
1: Lucky Land Casino
0: asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, uh-huh, in my dentist's office.
0: Plus, I
2: want to remind everybody you could follow me on Twitter at Rick 555. That's at R-E-C-K, letter I, Nader as a terminator with three fives. You can follow us on Twitter at Full Press cover at FP underscore coverage at Full Press Radio. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or you get, po- get your podcast or search Kicking with Keyword. Chances are we are there. Be sure to give us a rating. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, and email me as well, rickjkeeler at gmail.com. I'm always happy to hear from you. And be sure to download the Full Press Coverage app on your iOS or Android device. You'll get our articles, podcasts, live shows. We, do, we did a live mock draft last week, which is really awesome. So shout out to the Full Press Coverage team for doing that. That was really cool. And we have, again, a live show lineup that I'll tell you about a little bit later. Uh, but everything Full Press Coverage is on the app. If you miss any part of this show and you want to go back during the night two of the NFL draft tonight and Friday night, night three on Saturday afternoon. You do that as well. And we'll try to give you another episode uh, Saturday or Sunday where I'm going to kind of give my overall thoughts on the draft. Uh, we have a special guest coming on the show actually do some baseball. Max Reaper from Royals Review will join me. we we'll talk about the surprise in Kansas City Royals in baseball as well. So we have a special other kicking the keyboard show coming up later this weekend, but I wanted to put out a special draft show. Uh, for night one so did that for you today so let's talk about the nfl draft and one of the things was interesting i liked the live draft again it was pretty cool to see that scene even though i watched the draft on espn i know some might watch it nfl network and they had the kings of leon and the audios were just terrible It, it didn't come out the way you wanted to although i thought mike greenberg did a really good job with Lewis Riddick, Booker McFarlane, and Mel Kiper is always great. So overall, I think the draft as a, as a whole was awesome to watch because it was just cool to see a live draft again. Something we had not had. But let's get into the picks. And it, obviously we all knew pick one and pick two. Trevor Lawrence goes to the Jaguars. Zach Wilson to the Jets. And we'll find out if those will work in due time. Lawrence should be great with Urban Meyer. Although I had issue... With something Urban Meyer said last night regarding Trevor Lawrence, and it was something along the lines of, as I'll pull up the, I'll try to pull up the quote for you in a second. That you have to try to bounce Urban Meyer, I mean Trevor Lawrence, not doing billboards and more in the playbook. When you're the number one pick, the way Urban Meyer is, or Trevor Lawrence is, I keep saying Urban Meyer. But when you're the number one pick, you kind of have to be the face of the Jaguars. That's what Trevor Lawrence is, like it or not. And if you're Urban Meyer, you have to realize this is not college football. You can't control everything these players do. This was a tweet. This is from James Palmer. Urban Meyer said the focus for Trevor Lawrence is to learn the offense and not sell billboards in the state of Florida. We're going to be very cautious about that. Again, you have to find that balance. And that's part of being professional. I'm not saying Trevor Lawrence should go out and do every commercial possible. But he is going to be solely focused on football. You read the Sports Illustrated article, which again, I don't put two cents into it. Trevor Lawrence is still a fantastic quarterback, whether he's has a chip on his shoulder or not. But Irvin Meyer's got to be really careful with the whole don't want to do billboards thing. Zach Wilson and the Jets, again, no surprise. Jets loved him with the pro day. Made sense. They moved on. And I really liked what the Jets did with their 14th. They had the 23rd pick. They traded up with Minnesota to 14 to get a guard to help Wilson out of USC and Elijah Vera Tucker, one of the better guards in this draft. And they were not going to get Vera Tucker at 23. Jets were aggressive, gave up a couple of day two picks to the Vikings, but the Jets have a lot of draft capital. So it made sense them to maybe take some of that draft capital and trade up for a player they like. So I liked what the Jets did on day one. You want to help your quarterback? Give him some help on the offensive line. So to me, that makes a lot of sense. Now we get to number three. Niners, all the talk was Mac Jones, and I'm going to give the Niners a lot of credit. Kyle Shanahan or John Lynch or whoever it was that put out those smoke screens, way to go. Because even I was confused. And you heard the night before the draft that all of a sudden now it starts maybe Trey Lance and starting to be out there it's Mac Jones. But again, all of us thought Mac Jones going to be the pick. And they take Trey Lance, who had a really good short career at North Dakota State, just 17 starts, only got to play in one game this past year due to the pandemic. But Kyle Shanahan gets a quarterback that not only can run his offense, but has great mobility out of the pocket. He might be a guy that needs to learn for a year or two, and that's why I think they're going to find a way to keep Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco. There was all the talk that the Patriots maybe would trade for Jimmy Garoppolo if the Niners had took Mac Jones, because Mac Jones is probably close as close to starting, ready to start week one as possible, as you can be for a rookie. For Lance, it'd be better off for him to learn under Jimmy Garoppolo but you heard Kyle Shanahan say, put on the tape, loves this kid. They love this, his aptitude. They love how smart he is. And that could easily stand out for anybody at the quarterback position. So the Niners are aggressive, but they trade for a guy that long-term they feel can make an impact. And maybe short-term, I think Jimmy Garoppolo could also understand with the mentoring or some of the mentoring that Tom Brady gave him. Now he can pay it forward to Trey Lance. And Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo could still start, but with his health questions, the Niners need to get a future quarterback, and they did with Trey Lance, and he might start this year. We'll find out. But I did like this pick. I and it is more understandable you would trade up for him than trade from twelve to three to get Mac Jones. All things considering, so it's the third time in the draft era that quarterbacks go one, two, three. Quarterback was never going four. Falcons take Kyle Pitts. Makes too much sense. If you're the new head coach, Arthur Smith, who loved using tight ends with the Titans, Kyle Pitts is the perfect fit here. You take one more crack at it with Matt Ryan, you give him Julio Jones, give him Calvin Ridley, give him Kyle Pitts, give him Hayden Hurst, you still have Todd Gurley in that backfield, and you see what you do. The Falcons have a tough time stopping people, but they're going to be one of the more intriguing offenses in the league in 2021, and Pitts is a big reason why. He's so much fun to watch. You can line him up out wide. He's a really good tight end. Basically more of a quote-unquote, weapon than an actual tight end. But I think that would make sense. Then we get to head scratchers. And it's not really a head scratcher at five. I understand why the Bengals took Jamar Chase. And this is where the lack of being able to scout the way you normally would because of a pandemic comes into play. We saw last night, teams look to pair quarterbacks with their teammates. From college. Jamar Chase goes back to Joe Burrow. Jalen Waddle goes back to Tua. Devontae Smith goes back to Jalen Hurts. Travis Etienne goes with Trevor Lawrence. And it makes sense from this standpoint. Even if you have a somewhat normal offseason. At least more normal compared to a year ago. You now give your quarterback one less player. He has to learn how to throw the ball to. Or hand the ball off to. Etcetera. So there's one less learning curve for your quarterback. So if you can truncate that learning curve, it's great. And Chase had 20 touchdowns for Burrow in 2019. And you look at that Bengals receiving core with Chase, Tyler Boyd, and T. Higgins. That's a really good one, two, three in that receiving core for Burrow. Here's the issue for the Bengals. You got to get a tackle. You got to get offensive line on day two of the draft because you cannot just have a bunch of players, you're the Bengals, great skill position players, and Joe Burrow can't stay upright. Otherwise, you have like what happened last year where Burrow gets the knee injury that caused him to miss the rest of the season. So the pick is great, the pick is creative. I thought Cincinnati would go Sewell instead of Chase, but I can't disagree with them with the pick. Miami goes six with Jalen Waddell, the receiver from Alabama. That makes a lot of sense. I thought it would be Smith. I like Smith more than Waddle. I know what people view Waddle like Tyreek Hill because of his speed. I like Devontae Smith, to me, more because even though he's 166 pounds, he catches everything. I could teach you how to bulk up. I can't really teach you how to catch. But Waddle gives you now another weapon with Will Fuller and Devontae Parker, and they give a guy that two is comfortable with. So whether they trade it up solely for Waddle, I don't know. But it's still a good pick. Detroit takes the long wrap. They go Panay Sewell, the tackle at seven. It's a long-term rebuild for the Lions. We don't really know what their future is a quarterback because Jared Goff's probably not that, but they didn't decide to trade back down. Sewell's the best tackle in this draft. You take him at seven. Then to eight and nine. Where we all thought this would be the place where a team like Washington or Chicago or the Saints or the Patriots we try to trade up to take Justin Fields or Mac Jones as they're falling down the board. Carolina, and I'll give them this, does not go quarterback like I said earlier. They at least show some faith in Sam Darnold. They take the cornerback, J.C. Horn of South Carolina. Put him in that secondary with safety, Jeremy Chinn who did great last season. And Matt Rule is clearly putting emphasis on defense. You take the best corner on the board in your mind. If Horn is that, I think you go with it. I would have rather probably for Carolina gone Rashawn Slater, the tackle from Northwestern, or Rashawn Slater. But to me, I get why they went horn. Denver, after trading for Teddy Bridgewater, only getting up a 6 round pick for him, you can see why maybe they don't really need a quarterback unless they're maybe hoping on Aaron Rodgers. Who knows? But they get another great corner, Patrick Sertan II, out of Alabama. By the way, six Alabama players taken in round one, 12 players out of the SEC. That's just insane. But Sertan should help a secondary that he could be the long-term answer for. The Eagles then trade up with Dallas to 10. They give up a third-round pick to get Devontae Smith. Now, I'm watching this draft like you all at home and thinking, why are the Cowboys helping the Eagles and only getting a third-round pick extra out of it? And there are a couple theories I, I thought of, and my brother Matt, who I was watching the draft with, thought of this too. Maybe they're trying to prevent the Giants from getting Devontae Smith. Maybe they view the Giants as more of a threat in the division right now than the Eagles. And we're not going to take... If you're the Cowboys, you're not taking Devontae Smith. So there's no need. But I would have maybe put more of a premium. I'd maybe try to get a second-round pick out of it. Maybe they did. I don't know what Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones are trying to do in that situation. But for Philly... Once the top two corners are off the board, then yeah, get the best playmaker for Jalen Hurts. And while Smith didn't catch that many passes from Hurts a few years ago, I think he's going to be a great fit for the Eagles. Because again, I just love the fact that that guy caught everything thrown to him practically. So this is one of my favorite picks. The Bears make the aggressive move. They give up a first round pick next year. They give up a fifth round pick. They give up a four. I think it's a first next year, a fourth and a fifth. As I'll get you, I'll get you the full extent of the trade. But I was shocked. Like I thought, and Doug Kyed from Nessun had it where the Patriots weren't that high on Justin Fields. But I thought the Bear, the, the Patriots were going to be trading up to get Fields. But the Bears were aggressive. Gave up a fifth round pick this year, and then first and fourth round picks in next year's draft. And Chicago has to make this work. And I like that the Bears showed a sense of aggressiveness here where they understood if you're Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace that your jobs are on the line. You've got to do everything you can. If some, one of these quarterback falls to get a quarterback because you cannot go into next year with a full, hopefully a full statement soldier fields and start Andy Dalton and be taken seriously. So they get Fields, who I think will be a good mobile threat in that Bears offense. They could still use another wide receiver to go down Robinson, especially if they trade Anthony Miller. But for right now, I like what the Bears did there. I think what you got to go get the guy you want. Even if it you a first-rounder for the Giants, great job. Because you get an extra first-round pick next year where the draft's going to be a little bit more easier to figure out. You'll get better grades on players. So you now have two picks, and you trade down to 20. And you get Kadarius Toney, another good weapon in that offense. For Daniel Jones, like we talked about earlier, they basically made it make or break for Daniel Jones this year with all the weapons they put around him. Dallas then gets Micah Parsons, the linebacker to Penn State. I think great pick by the Cowboys because you take the best defensive player available. Once the corners come off the board, Dallas doesn't really need to address their offense. Maybe they take a tackle with the way their injuries on the offensive line, but if they think Parsons is the best defensive player, you take him, especially with the injuries to Leighton Vanderesh Esch and Sean Lee retiring you get Micah Parsons. And then finally, to wrap up part one of the show, the Chargers take Rayshon Slater, the tackle of Northwestern. Slater falls to 13. Great pick. Health protect Justin Herbert. And I don't think the Chargers expected he would fall to that portion of the draft. So we'll take one more break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up part two of the first round of the NFL draft, including my extensive analysis on why I was thrilled that Mac Jones was taken with the 15th pick by the New England Patriots. The analysis you've probably all been waiting for, but you have to wait for one more commercial break, and you'll hear me talk about it coming up next on Kicking with Keeler on Full Press Radio. With lucky landslots,
1: you can get lucky just
2: about anywhere.
1: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
0: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest register. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
1: Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: One more segment here I'll on Kicking with Keeler on this Friday afternoon. Ricky Keeler with you for the analysis you've all been waiting for. What did Ricky think of Mac Jones? Who goes number 15 quarterback out of Alabama to the New England Patriots. And all right, here we go. As I told you, all of you last week, the quarterback I was hoping for for the Patriots was Justin Fields. I wanted a mobile quarterback. I wanted a guy with a good downfield arm. I wanted a guy with the ability to make plays and, and be able to contribute when the play breaks down. And I thought Fields was the better long-term play. So as the drafts happen, I'm getting real excited because Carolina's not getting a quarterback at 8. Denver's not getting a quarterback at 9. Nobody's trading up. Philly traded up with Dallas at 10. I'm like, okay, they're not taking a quarterback. So all we had to do was get to 15 and you have two quarterbacks in play. So you can imagine how, maybe not angry, but I didn't have my hopes up for Fields. I was optimistic. When the Bears got I'm like uh I'm like, okay. So I'm going through the different possibilities and I'm thinking, okay, if Bill Belichick doesn't love Mac Jones, maybe they take this pick, trade it down to Washington, trade down to nineteen and maybe get an extra second, maybe an extra if Washington's that desperate, maybe an extra first, who knows? And then the pick is easy right out of the gate. Because the Vikings trade with the Jets. Minnesota wasn't taking a quarterback anyway. Chargers aren't trading for getting a quarterback. And Mac Jones is the pick. And I, I, I come with this pretty happy about it. I think the problem with the whole draft analysis of Mac Jones is we were comparing him to two quarterbacks he's not. He's not Trey Lance. He's not Justin Fields. He's got a different skill set to his game. Now, one of the things I like about Mac Jones going in, well, there's a couple things actually, and why I think this pick can work out. For one, he comes from a winning school at Alabama. National champion, 13 0, filled in for two of the year before, did a really good job. He's played under Nick Saban. Nick Saban and Bill Belichick, we all know, are good friends. Pro style offense, gets you ready for the league. And the Patriots draft a lot of dudes from Alabama. I think Bill Belichick's drafted 11 players from Nick Saban. In like, I forget the exact time frame since that point. I can pull it up for you real quick on that because I saw Adam Schefter tweet this uh, last night when the pick was made. And it was... I'll get you the number here. So I keep saying how pretty happy I am that they got the got the quarterback that they wanted. 11th player Bill Belichick has drafted that play under Nick Saban in college, which is a record. So there's already a good Alabama Patriot-like culture there that I think this could work. And the one thing you look at with Jones, people said he's not Tom Brady, but you can compare him to Tom Brady. And I think from this standpoint, good pocket presence and his ability to read defenses. I think that's huge, especially in a a, a Josh McDaniel's offense. That sometimes you gotta take that first read. Sometimes you gotta not be afraid to take those short intermediate routes. And Mac Jones can throw the ball down the field. He's got a pretty good downfield arm, is it like Fields or Lawrence or even Wilson? Maybe not. He's not terrible at it. But you think about what the situation Mac Jones is walking into, and it's not a bad situation outside of maybe the pressure of having to be the next guy. After Tom Brady. Cam Newton was kind of that guy. Mac Jones really is that guy. But I don't think he has to be Tom Brady. What he just has to be. In my mind. Is a consistent franchise quarterback. Somebody that you could compete with. Year in and year out. And I think when you look at. What the Patriots have put around him. Two really good tight ends. In Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry. A decent wide receiving core. They could still upgrade in the draft with. A good offensive line with a lot of depth. A good defense. And good running backs with Michelle and Damian Harris who he played with at Alabama. And James White. So there's already a good cast of characters the Patriots have put around him, of course, with their free agent spending spree. Where if Mac Jones did start right away, I think he would do okay. I don't know if he would light the world on fire, but I think he would do a pretty good job. No one's asked to throw for 500 yards and five touchdowns, although it would be great. I don't think he has to be game manager. I think he has to be somewhere in the middle. You can take chances, but you don't have to be too risky. And I think for Bill Belichick, this was the guy he liked all along. He went to the Pro Day at Alabama, didn't go to the Ohio State Pro Day, didn't go to the North Dakota State Pro Day. This is the one Pro Day he went to, which shows you the faith he has in Matt Jones. And one of the things I wanted from this process, I wanted as a Patriot fan from this NFL draft, get me the next guy. Doesn't have to be the next great guy. Get me a guy. And I had a low bar because I, my low bar was, I don't want to see Cam Newton anymore. I don't think Cam Newton was solely the problem last season for the Patriots. I think obviously COVID got in the way for Cam and battling injuries and an offseason where he didn't get really the full chance to learn everybody and things like that, I I think that played a factor. But from watching Cam a season ago and watching that this team was somehow 7-9 with a offense that was, for lack of a better word, horrible, you needed an upgrade at the position. And I think, to me, Mac Jones can be an upgrade down the line. If the Patriots decide, hey, let's start Cam to begin the season, that means Cam did a good job in training camp and he's earned the job. So I'm willing to give Cam Newton another shot to start the season, but if it don't work out, this isn't like last year where Bill Belichick can just let Jared Stidham sit on the sideline. you got to play the kid, and I think Belichick understands that. So Mac Jones maybe isn't the starter right away, and Bill Belichick said Thursday night Cam's the starter, and and that's the right mentality to have. Mac Jones has to learn this offense. But the learning curve for Mac Jones is not going to be that extreme. To where you think he could figure it out. And to me, I came away happy last night. Look, I'll I'll keep it straight with all of you, the listeners here. Honestly, why I wanted a franchise quarterback is the only apparel I wear Patriot-wise is Tom Brady and Julian Edelman. Obviously, neither of them are Patriots, so I kind of wanted a guy who's actually going to be a long-term patriot. So to get the next franchise guy. That would have been fine with me. And, and once Jimmy Garoppolo was not an option anymore, once the Niners take Trey Lance, you know you've got to get a quarterback in this draft. Whether it was Jones or Fields in round one, whether it was Kyle Trask or Kellen Mond in round two, or, or somebody, Davis Mills, you had to get a quarterback. There was, I think if Bill Belichick came away from this draft without a quarterback, he would get ripped for it, and rightfully so. Because then you'd be like, well, what exactly are you looking for in a quarterback? We kind of got the insight all along, and Mac Jones even said he wanted to be a Patriot the entire time. And looking at the fit, this is the best fit out of the quarterbacks, maybe outside of Lawrence. Where Mac Jones is familiar with the the Patriots from Alabama. He's familiar with everything in terms of a pro-style offense. And he may not be flashy, but he can play. And to me, you don't have to be flashy. You just got to be able to play. So, I'm excited for at least what appears to be a future plan for the Patriots by getting Mac Jones. Let's go to the other picks we haven't gotten through. The Cardinals get Zavin Collins at 16, the linebacker of Tulsa. I like that move to help their defense. Gives them another pass rush option. A lot of people hate on the Raiders pick. Uh, Alex Leatherwood, the offensive tackle from Alabama. Raiders did need offensive line. I think people just question whether Leatherwood should be taken that high. But. After trading Trent Brown, and I think they traded an, another lineman to Seattle this offseason. Gabe Jackson, I think it was. They needed a tackle or an offensive lineman. Weatherwood, at least, is that. But I know people really hated that pick last night. Uh, Jalen Phillips goes to the Dolphins at 18, gives them a pass rusher. Another inside linebacker, Jamin Davis, goes to Washington at 19. We talked about the Tony pick already. Here are some of the picks I liked at the bottom of the first round. Quitty Pay to the Colts at 21. Very good pass rusher. It gives the Colts another great playmaker on that defense. They got Darius Leonard at linebacker. They needed a pass rusher to put with Buckner on the defensive line. Pay can absolutely work in that spot. To get him at 21, it was a good steal for the Colts. Caleb Farley to the Titans at 22. First off, I felt terrible for Caleb Farley, who tested positive for COVID and had to watch the draft by himself, uh, away from friends and family. So... Um, all the best to him, and hopefully he got the most out of the draft experience as he possibly can. Uh, but I did feel awful for him yesterday. But um, on the field goes to a great position in Tennessee where they desperately need help a corner. I think Farley fit that really well. Vikings, do the trading down, get their tackle anyway. They get Christian off from Virginia Tech. I love that pick. Steelers getting Najee Harris at 24, the worst kept secret in the sport. I have a friend who I work with who's a huge Steeler fan that was talking to me about this pick for like two, three months, it seems like. I'm glad at least for him they got this right. And Harris is going to be a focal point in this offense because outside of Benny Snell and Anthony McFarlane, they don't have any other running backs. So Najee Harris makes a lot of sense with that pick. Etienne for the Jaguars, I'm not so sure at 25. A lot of people talked about the safety, Trayvon Morig, who's now available today in round two. They've already got James Robinson, who did so good last year. They brought in Carl's Hyde. So what really is Etienne? Is he a third down back? Is he a guy you could split carries Robinson with? I get the attraction of putting Lawrence with his college running back, but I think the Jaguars had other needs where they didn't need to get Etienne. He's a great player. I'm not sure if 25 was the right pick, but I'm looking forward to see what he can do. Otherwise, Greg Newsome to the Browns. That, that was an interesting pick, just because it adds to their uh, their pretty solid defense already, and they need help at the secondary. You have Rashad Bateman, who I said I love that pick. Ravens need a wide receiver. That makes a lot of sense. We talked about Eric Stokes already to the Packers. Gregory Rousseau, Bills need a long term pass rusher. They get him. Ravens get the linebacker Jason Oway from Penn State. Not a lot of sacks, but again, if you are a developmental project defensively the Ravens are probably one of the better teams to go to to learn how to be a pat- great pass rusher in the NFL and the Bucks, who didn't really have any needs at all they go with a developmental linebacker Joe Tryon out of Washington they already have all their starters back they brought back Antonio Brown this week so they really had no need I could have seen them taking a quarterback here just to get a fifth year of control but they take probably the best defensive player they liked on the board in Tryon. so that's your first round uh, in terms of round two we talked about Morig. Uh, Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa from Notre Dame is another guy to watch. Not a lot of size, but a really good linebacker. Elijah Moore, wide receiver from Old Miss. We know how much Old Miss wide receivers have had success in the NFL. A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf. He's the guy to watch where he goes today. Javante Williams, the running back of North Carolina. Big-time playmaker out of the backfield. Where does he go? Uh, another guy I like, Rondell Moore from Purdue, the wide receiver. Landon Dickerson, the center from Alabama. A lot of good uh, players on the board. And second and third round is sometimes where you find those great steals. Guys who slip out of the first round that you can get good value on. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. That starts 7 o'clock Eastern tonight on ESPN, ABC, and NFL Network. And then at noon tomorrow on all those channels, rounds 4 through 7. Which then we'll hear how everybody's next Tom Brady because they get picked in the sixth round or something. And maybe we'll hear how Mel Kiper thinks this fifth round pick is equivalent to, et cetera. But it's still a lot of fun. Uh, I love the draft. I thought it went off pretty well, and I thought there weren't a lot of reaches last night, which I thought was really interesting. But maybe it's because people teams are being more safe because they didn't really get a chance to evaluate that much. So that's our special show this week. Want to thank everybody for tuning in. We will be back later this weekend to recap round two. Th- rounds 2 through 7, the big winners and losers from the NFL draft. And we will talk a little baseball as well. We're going to have Max Reaver from Royals, Review on- Reaper from Royals Review on the show. Talk about the Royals. Maybe we'll do Kentucky Derby. NBA playoffs coming up. Hockey playoffs coming up. So many great sports along the way. And we're excited to bring those to you. want to remind you again, tweet me on Twitter at RickNator555. Tweet us at FP underscore coverage at Full Press Radio. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Go get, get wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Kingdom of Keeler. Chances are we are there. Give us a rating. What do you like? What do you not like? I want to hear from you. You can email me, rickjkeeler at gmail.com. With your thoughts, comments, concerns, our show has taken off drastically in April. Also, thank you all that have played a big part. If you're a new listener, thank you. If you're a returning listener, I always appreciate it. It's been really fun to do the show as we get into May, and I'm looking forward to the show continuing to progress. Be sure to download the Full Press Coverage app as well on your iOS or Android device. Uh, We have all of our articles, podcasts, live shows, including FPC Radio Live, Snowman in the Morning, College Credit Hour, and Dylan and Ross Save Sports. So a lot going on there. Catch my work over at Barrett Sports Media. We wrote a couple articles this week about how Michael Irvin thinks social media has caused teams or caused some players to not exactly have the same hunger they normally would. And about a good conversation John Jastrzemski had with Mike Francesa about how sports radio talk shows need to be not as much clever, but just need to be informative to their audience. So something to keep an eye on there. Really good stuff from both those articles. And look out for a special feature I'll hopefully be doing uh, later on in the month. I'll tell you more about that as I know more information. Uh, so all And remember, also follow Pinchside Prospect. Yankee Minor League Baseball starts Tuesday. That's the place you want to go for your Yankee Minor League coverage. So from all of us here kicking with Keel and full press coverage, I'm Ricky Keyword saying thanks for kicking in with me on this Friday afternoon. Uh, hope you enjoy rounds two through seven of the NFL draft, and we'll see you back here later in the weekend to talk about it. I'll see you next time. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to – has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. With Lucky Lands Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere.